Thank you for listening. You are listening to the Church of Christ Church, Christ Church podcast. podcast. For more information, I hope about that our church coverage has been inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christ Church, why don't you pop in every Sunday? Hello, we'd love to connect. Well, if we haven't met, my name is Pete. Um, thanks so much for coming along. Especially special shout out to anyone who's come to um, support Ben and Prisca. And uh, Nick and Sharice, as they dedicate their little ones to the Lord, it's, it's an honor to be able to have you here with us this morning. And uh, if this is your first time in church or, or you haven't been for a while, what you may not know is we're actually right at the end of a series called Playlist. And uh, Playlist is a series about the 150 prayer songs that we find in Psalms. You'll be pleased to know we're not going to go through all 150 today, but, um, <clears throat> but what we will do is we will have a look at a different, uh, at a particular category of these psalms. They are useful for all kinds of different things. And uh, one of the categories is psalms of trust. Really trying to communicate with you today that what, uh, that God can be trusted no matter what. No matter what happens in your world, you can trust God. I'm not sure what you see when you look back on your life and all of the different things you've learned, but when I look back on my life with the Lord, I've been a Christian about 20 years, when I look back on it, I see only a few things that God has taught me. That's the good news, I guess, is that there's really only a few things that God has taught me, and the bad news is that He's taught me those things over and over and over and over again. And I suspect, if I'm being real with you today, that there's a few more decades left of learning those same lessons. Lessons like stay humble. It's just two words. It's just two words, but it takes a long time to learn and to relearn. And I was actually talking about this with somebody one time, and they said, oh, yeah, I I got victory over pride last year. I was like, the irony, of course is that they were boasting about that. (laughs) But, you know, I got this check in my heart because I was like, oh, I'd love to, in pride, I'd love just to respond with some witty uh, statement. I said, no, 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 stay humble, Pete. Good for you. That's wonderful. I'm looking forward to being there myself. That's going to be good. Um, We learn the same lessons over and over again. And one of those lessons is to trust God no matter what. And so if you're here today and you're thinking, man, this pastor's talking about something that we should have learned on the first day of being a Christian, well, I've got news for you. It's okay. You learn it that day, but you learn it all the other days as well, that God can be trusted no matter what. And if you pick up the Bible, what you get is you read the very first um, story of humanity falling in, in the Bible is one of trust. They, Adam and Eve needed to trust that God had their best interest in heart. At heart. And, and, and then time and time again, all the way through Scripture, and it pops up in the Psalms, all these poems that are encouraging us to trust God because how many people know we need to be reminded to actually trust God? And then you get right to the end of the Bible, and, and you get the Apostle John writing the book of Revelation, and he's saying in all of the, the higgledy-piggledy, all the ups and downs and extreme persecution, guess what? You can trust God. It's like a, a meta-narrative. That's the technical phrase that works all the way through the Bible. You can trust God. It kind of pops up time and time again, but the problem we face is that it's not the only meta-narrative in our world. In fact, there's an opposite one that society tries to condition us to think, which says that 
you can trust yourself. If you're rich enough, if you're strong enough, if you get enough support, if you, if you do enough good things, guess what? You can trust yourself. The Bible actually says the opposite. It says you can't, you can't actually trust yourself. It's a good thing to have all of those things in our world, but when it comes to trust, the only person you can trust is actually God. No, yeah, I'll, 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 you, know, you know what I mean. You can trust other people, but you know, the only person you can trust with absolutely everything is God. And maybe you're here today and you've made decisions in the past out of self-sufficiency. You've made decisions in the past about wanting to be stronger and bigger and more wealthy. And, and I want to just kind of gently ask you the question. I'm not here to call you out or say that, uh, heap judgment on you, but I do want to ask you a gentle question. Do, do you love where those decisions took you? Because they took you somewhere. And do, do you love the destination? Because it's almost like the signpost is really attractive, but we've got to love not only the signpost, but actually where we go. Did it heap pressure on you? Maybe you thought at the start, listen, I really want to uh, get somewhere and be significant in life, and that was an attractive proposition, but actually where it led you was pressure. It led you to pressure. You had to depend on yourself because there was nobody else. Perhaps it's affected your relationship and your ability to trust other people. Do you, do you love where that attitude has taken you? You know, Psalm 62 is an example of a trust psalm, a psalm that's encouraging us to trust. And it's got these three stages. I'm going to just talk you through them really quickly, and then we'll apply them to our lives. But the first one, first stage we see in Psalm 62 is this, is that there's an expression of confidence in God. Probably because he's tried all, uh, David, who wrote the psalm, has tried all these other things and he keeps coming back to actually, I, I have to trust God. He's the only one who's trustworthy ultimately. Uh, verse 1 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. It's like the voice of experience. I tried to find salvation, all these other things, but they didn't work out. Uh, verse 2 Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. So you see like a, a um, confidence in God being demonstrated. The second stage in the psalm is that there's an address to the worshiping community. It's, it's most of the time what we see in psalms is words and prayers to God himself. He puts words to what we should be praying to God. This one is different. This one encourages people around you to then Trust God. Verse 8 says, trust in him at all times, you people. It's not being addressed to God. It's being addressed to people. Pour your hearts out to him, for God is our refuge. No matter where we're at in life, we all need an encouragement to trust God. You might have pushed through something significant. Your purpose is then to encourage other people around you. Hey, you can trust God. You can trust God with this. Maybe you need encouragement. Find yourself in a place or connect with somebody who can encourage you to trust God. We need reminders, whether for the first time or the 500th time. We need reminders to trust God. And the third stage is that David talks about his journey and the revelation that he's received along the way. He says, we might put it like this, there's a summary of the divine revelation received. Verse 11 says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, 
Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. You reward everyone as to what they've done. The revelation is that power belongs to God. The power doesn't belong to cancer. The power doesn't belong to that medical diagnosis that somebody spoke over your life. The power doesn't belong to that boss who's been mistreating you and, and underpaying you. The power does not belong to the government or the bank or anybody else that threatens to, uh, to determine your future. That power belongs to God. This is the revelation. And I want to encourage you this morning with, to rephrase these words with just three application points. It's the same points. I'll just rephrase them differently. The first one is this. You can choose faith and resist doubt. Faith can be chosen. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Be alert and of sober mind. Understand the things that in your life will pop up as faith alternatives. Because, because faith is something that often feels uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You, you, you feel God calling you to do something, but it actually makes you feel uncomfortable because it means that you have to um, like trust Him and, and be not in control. But we can choose that. And be of alert and sober mind. You know, this morning as I, was, as I was going over this message, I felt like the Lord put it to me this way. You know, if you put into Google insurance policies, right? You put that into Google. You'll get all kinds of beautiful advertisements of, of companies trying to sell you insurance. And no doubt there'll be bright colors and no doubt there'll be like these beautiful pictures of people who look really happy because they've purchased this insurance. And some may even want to give you a toaster or, or, or a new kettle or, or a new TV. They might want to give you all of these beautiful things. But the test of a good insurance policy is whether they pay out when you're in a crisis. The test is not the beautiful image on the front, Right? And I felt like the Lord say to me, so many of us choose coping mechanisms. We choose trust things that are not, uh, that look shiny on the surface, that promise a lot. But the test is whether that thing will be there for you in the crisis. Will alcohol be there to pick you up off the floor when your marriage has fallen apart? It absolutely will not. 100%. It's probably caused you to be there. No judgment if that's your story, but, but will, will human relationships be there for you with enough vigor to inspire you to go on and to move closer into God? They're not enough. They may help, but they're not enough. You know, we choose trust alternatives instead of God. The question I want to ask you, maybe you're here today and you you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've tried to trust all kinds of things, but there's this lurking feeling in your mind that that's not enough. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, will those things be there for you when life falls apart? God will. Jesus will. He understands suffering because he is a suffering God. 
Jesus is one who suffered. Jesus is one who, who went to the cross and then came out and rose from the dead. He will take you through that same places, but will those trust alternatives walk you through that process? You know, I want to share with you just three short stories that, uh, where God demonstrated his power. When I was a kid, we used to go on these beach missions with the church. And uh, the beach missions is the, you know, you, the bunch of families and some young people and some young adults would, would go off to camping and run kids programs and stuff like that and, and share Jesus. And so one, one, of, one, one day, these young adults had been out on the jet ski on a large harbor. And a guy had his keys in his pocket while he was out on the jet ski. And the, che- the, the keys fell out of his pocket somewhere. He didn't know where, but the keys fell out of his pocket somewhere on the harbor. So you can imagine this is like not your bad situation. You're not finding the keys. Uh, but they prayed. They prayed and they trusted God and they waited till low tide. <laughs> uh, it's wisdom. And so um, they went out at low tide and guess what? We're sitting out on the mudflats. <laughs> keys. Amazing. Later on for me, second story is when I was 17, I felt the call of God to go spend a year on the mission field, and I needed to raise a year's worth of living costs, which at the time was 18000 It was a lot of money back then. It was probably half of a year's salary for most Kiwis, and, uh, or more probably. And my father and I, we prayed for 10 minutes every day uh, after dinner, just 10 minutes. And we saw God move. We, the Lord raised um, over $18,000 in about two months from people just feeling led from the Holy Spirit to donate and support. It really was as simple as praying and seeing God move. You c- can trust God. The third story is that when Sarah and I first came, uh, felt called to come to Christchurch, uh, although a lot of our family are down, or a lot of my family are down here. A lot of my extended family are here. We'd been spending time last eight years in, in Whangarei, and so we needed to move back. And uh, sometime in January, we needed to pick a date that would be the date that we would come down. The moving company wanted a particular date. So we, um, we just picked randomly, looked at the calendar, decided that Tuesday, 17th of March, would be the day. COVID was not a thing on anybody's radar. It was an interesting headline in the international news of your newspaper, and, um, but it just wasn't a thing. We arrived on the 17th of March, and less than a week later, on the 23rd of March, at 1.30 p.m., the Prime Minister announced that we were going into a level three lockdown effective immediately. We set our arrival date uh, when COVID did not appear on anybody's radar, but God knew. God knew and God arranged it so that we would come down on exactly the right time. He is more powerful than any virus that threatens to, to stop the world. I share these stories to illustrate that faith is something we can step into. You don't need to know the destination of faith. You just need to have enough courage to take a single step. That's why the Bible talks about taking steps of faith. You can choose just to take one step. It will be enough. And so I just want to mention this to Nick and Sharice and Ben and Prisca and anybody else with kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews. One of the most powerful legacies that you can leave for the next generation are stories where you trusted God and God came through miraculously. Because one thing is certain. There will always be a need 
to trust God in our lives. Second thought for you today is that we can encourage faith in other people. Psalm 62 verse 8, that scripture again says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. You know, part of the role of community, in particular church community, but just any community, is to remind each other of shared values that we hold. We might not be living them out. That's okay. But together we hold a value that we should trust God. I'm not saying that everybody in this room is perfect, but I'm just saying that we hold that value together. And so as a result, no matter who you are, you will need to be reminded of that fact. And so we remind each other. Maybe there's somebody here who's been praying and praying and has just pushed through and is seeing God move powerfully in your life. Well, guess what? There are also other people in this room who need to hear that and need to be reminded of that. You know, you might come to church for personal encouragement. And that's wonderful because my heart is that that this place would be an encouraging place. But don't just come when you need encouragement. Come when you've got encouragement to give. Because there will be other people who need to be reminded of the simple fact that you can trust God. It's a little bit like this. The Lord has structured his church with spiritual giftings. He's gifted everybody different talents and abilities and things in the Spirit. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. The purpose of these gifts, there's a whole other sermon, but but the purpose of these gifts is not for stages, It's not for social media accounts. It's not for positions or or promotion or, 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 um, or success or fame. The purpose of these gifts is to build up the body of Christ. So everybody uh, who, who calls Christ their Lord has something that they have to give. You can encourage faith in others. A number of months ago, I woke up with a sore ankle, and one of my ankles had some quite significant surgery. And uh, it's got a bunch of screws. And so when I wake up in the morning, it's very stiff, usually every morning. Um, but it's okay. I just do a few walk, walks down the hallway and it's fine. But this particular morning, I woke up and it was very painful. And um, I was actually struggling to walk on it. So I called over one of our sons um, to teach him how to pray for healing. And I said to him, son, what, here's what you've got to do. You put your hand on the, on the area that's sore and... Um, and you say, this is not prescriptive, but this is what I said to him. I said, you, you say, I declare healing in the name of Jesus. He was five at the time, and he said these words, I declare healing in the name of Jesus. He literally just repeated after me. And when he got to the phrase, in the name of Jesus, I felt this heat run through my ankle. And the pain immediately went. It's incredible to me, but it makes so much sense that the power of God does not depend on age or experience. I mean, logically, it makes so much sense because God can move through anybody. And if he's going to move through a five-year-old or a 50-year-old, age doesn't really matter. But, But in our minds, it seems to matter. But it reinforces the point that you have faith to give. You can encourage faith in other people. You don't have to wait until you're older to pray for healing. You don't have to wait till you're older before you step into a 
the giftings that God's placed on your life. You can simply say, hey, let's trust God together. Let's pray and believe that he'll move. And I've had this experience, but I'm praying that every young family would also have this experience, that you're struggling and you're praying for something, and your four-year-old walks into the room and says, why are you worried? You should pray to God. (laughs) It's an incredible experience because they're actually right. The The third thought for you is this. I can expect God to speak to me. David says, I've had this revelation about the power of God. He says, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard, power belongs to you, O God. So if you're reading through scripture, one of the things that should jump out to you is that God is a speaking God. He speaks. And many people's picture of God is kind of like uh, how the principal may have functioned in your primary school. You know, you never know him. You don't really speak to him. But if you do have to speak to him, guess what? You're in trouble, right? You get that little note, go to the principal's office. It's not good news. He's not giving you chocolate, you know. And, um, and so, so many of us, our picture of God can be like that. He's distant. And if he's got something to say, guess what? It's bad news. But that is not how the Bible talks about God. God is fundamentally a speaking God. Anybody who is far from him, if you've made wrong choices and, and you've ended up living less than who he created you to be, guess what? He's calling out to you too. You don't have to be good to get spoken to. God speaks because of that's who he is. You know, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this scripture. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, through his son. Our God is so passionate about relationship with his creation that he sent his own son from the throne of heaven. Because we cannot see that kind of glory. We cannot in our human minds cope with, this, uh, with, with, with infinite glory, infinite knowledge infinite like picture of who God is. We can't see him with our own eyes. So he became one of us so that we might be able to see him. And humanity does not like its weaknesses being exposed. And so when we saw Jesus, we killed Jesus because we could not allow a picture of God to to take to, to shine light on the dark places. But it was all a setup. This is what I love about Scripture. It was all a setup because in crying and uh, dying on the cross, he took on himself rebellion and guilt and the sin of all humanity. We killed him thinking we were silencing him, but he died so that we might come to know him. It was all a setup. Why is this so important to my point? Because God is so passionate about speaking that he would give his most precious possession so that we could hear his voice. You can trust him to speak. You know, as we close this morning, invite the keys to come. I really believe that God is speaking to some people today. It started actually the moment you walked into this room and you felt that 
Something was different about this place and the songs. You almost felt like a stirring in your heart. And I want to share with you is this. If you're far from God, if you're saying to yourself, Pete, you know, you're talking about me. I've had a, maybe you had a relationship with God in the past, but you're at this point. And you say, you know what, I feel God calling me this morning. You know, as, as humans, our, our parents ha- often have a few things they really care about, they care about adopting into our lives. And my dad, and for my parents, my dad would care, uh, cares a lot about um, hard work and faith. This is one of his two big things. In fact, the MacArthur family crest, it says, through faith and work. Um, and so that's kind of what we do. That's what he cares about. And, but your heavenly father... The thing that he wants more than anything else in your life is relationship between you and him. He he wants much more than that, but the very first thing that he wants, the thing that is top of the agenda, is for you to have relationship with him. There's healing, there's wholeness, there's forgiveness, there's a fresh start, there's freedom from your past, there's new life, there's all kinds of wonderful things, but at the top of the list is relationship with him. Connection comes first. And so here in the room today and and online, I believe there's people in there you're saying, you know what? God is is saying to me, I I need to come back into relationship with Him. He's saying to you, come home. So with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, if you're new here today, maybe someone's invited you along or, or you're just watching this or you've just been driving past the street and you think maybe you'll go and check out that church on a Sunday morning. I want to challenge you. Am I talking about you? Do you need a relationship with God? I'm not here to, to judge you or even really to tell you that you need to change. But I'm here to say the thing that God cares about the most is for you to have a relationship with Him and you've got an opportunity to do that this morning. It's very simple. It's simple as praying a prayer. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to tell you that God loves you as his own child. All of us have messed up. We've all made mistakes. The Bible says that, that the wages of our sin is death. It is eternal death, separation from God. But to all who would accept it for themselves, he's provided a way for us to come back into relationship with him thank you for listening to this elam church christchurch podcast for more information about our church you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every sunday at 10 a.m